Lord, I just thank you for these beautiful women I see before me. I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for your faithfulness in and through our lives, Lord. Please bless this time. May your Holy Spirit just hover over this room and fill our hearts and direct our time together. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. So, okay, so a few weeks ago, I was in kids' ministry, and we were talking about Abraham, and his son Isaac needed a wife. I have a point. Um, Our topic, be faithful in character. Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. Okay, so Abraham's son, Isaac, needed a wife. Isaac, the son of the promise. Abraham was promised great nations would come from him. And he has one child at the age of 100. Isaac really needs a wife. (laughs) Um, In Genesis chapter 24, Abraham talks to his servant and says, Go back to my homeland and find a wife for my son. She must be from my family. And the servant is obedient. Abraham sends him out. In verse 7 it says, let's see who was talking. Abraham says, The Lord God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my family, and who spoke to me and swore to me, saying, To your descendants I give this land. He will send his angel before you, and you shall take a wife for my son there. And then a little bit further down, the servant, then the verse 10, then the servant took 10 of his master's camels and departed, for all his master's goods were in his hand. So, that's a pretty big task. That's an important woman he must find. So he prays in verse 12, the servant, O Lord God of my master Abraham, please give me success this day and show kindness to my master Abraham. Behold, here I stand by the well of water, and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. And then he asks something pretty bold of the Lord. Now let it be that the young woman to whom I say, please let down your pitcher that I may drink. And she says, drink, and I will also give your camels a drink. Let her be the one you have appointed and your servant Isaac, uh, for your servant Isaac. And by this I will know that you've shown kindness to my master. This servant trusted the Lord. He comes to the Lord. He said, I have these camels. I see this well. I see this bucket. I need a wife for Isaac. <laughs> and, and I feel like it's such a picture of what we come with. We have this life that the Lord has given us. I have my camels or my child. I have my family. And I come to the Lord and I say, okay, this is what I've got. You've given this to me. Now you, Lord, Be faithful and do all the work. And that's exactly what God does here for the servant and for Abraham and for Isaac. He answers this incredible prayer by bringing the right woman from the right family to the right well who says the right things. That's nothing that the servant could have done. That is not the servant's faithfulness. That's the faithfulness of God. 
So, um, as I've been praying and studying for this morning, that's, that's what the Lord has just impressed upon my heart, is that it's not a work that I can do. It's not a work that you can do. It's a work that Christ Jesus does in our hearts. So it says, but the fruit of the Spirit, whose Spirit, it's God's Spirit, Christ in us, transforming us into his image. I love, Karen, um, that you mentioned John 16 earlier. That was been on my heart. Previous to that, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. So we look back at that list of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those are not things that are natural to me. And I, I hate to say this, ladies, but I know it's not natural to you either. Yes. (laughs) Apart from Christ, we are all dead in our sins and trespasses. But in Christ, we are made alive and given the Holy Spirit to teach us and enable us to live out a faithful life to the glory of God. As we abide in him, that's when we bear the fruit of faithfulness. I love the song, um, I shall not boast in anything No gifts, no power, no wisdom, but I will boast in Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. I was reminded the other day, we've gone through Ephesians, well, I think we're done with it on Sunday mornings, but we were going through Ephesians in chapter 2, verse 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. The fruit of the Holy Spirit of God is faith, his faithfulness at work in us and through us. Um, I went to our trusted friend Google to look up a little bit about faithfulness, and I had some synonyms, loyalty, devotion, dedication, commitment, dependability, steadfastness, trustworthiness. That's our Lord. That's our God. In the world that we live in, it often feels like all of those things are in very short supply. And if we're being honest, sometimes it's short supply, in short supply in here. And if we're going to be brutally honest, it's in short supply in here. So, what is faithfulness? Where can we find faithfulness? How can I, a wretched sinner, be faithful? We find that all in Christ Jesus, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. And what was his joy? It was knowing that even though he was about to be humiliated, scorned, beaten, and cut off from God the Father, it was knowing that his shed blood and his resurrection was the only way to rescue sinners from, from eternal separation from God. It's Christ's joy to be faithful to the Father. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, 
They shall be as wool. Matthew chapter 26, verse 39. This, we're, we're looking at Jesus here. He went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O oh my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. <clears throat> not as I will, but as you will. We're called like, just like our Savior to places of faithfulness. I would rather not go. Some of us are called often to these places of faithfulness that are hard, uncomfortable, and scary. This morning, um, I was reading in Streams in the Desert. It's a great old devotion. This is kind of long, so bear with me while I try to keep it shorter. It says, um, Galatians chapter 6, verse 14. God forbid that I should glory save in the Christ, or save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. And then it has some commentary by, it says, anonymous. Uh, They were living to themselves, self with its hopes and promises and dreams still had a hold of them, but the Lord began to fulfill their prayers. They had asked for contrition and had surrendered for it to be given to them at any cost. And he sent them sorrow. They had asked for purity, and he sent them thrilling anguish. They had asked to be meek, and he had broken their hearts. They had asked to be dead to the world, and he slew all their lives, all their living hopes. They had asked to be made like unto him, and he placed them in the furnace, sitting by as a refiner and purifier of silver until they should reflect his image. Little by little, from time to time, by fleeting gleams, the mystery of his cross shines out upon them. They behold him lifted up. They gaze on the glory which raised from the wounds of his holy passion. And as they gaze, they advance and are changed into his likeness. And his name shines out through them, for he dwells in them. Just a little bit more. It's really good. (laughs) Had they chosen for themselves or their friends chosen for them, they would have chosen otherwise. They would have been brighter here, but less glorious in his kingdom. But he stayed them up even against themselves. Many a time their foot had well nigh slipped, but he in mercy held them up. It was good to suffer here, that they, met, that they might reign hereafter, to bear the cross below, for they shall wear the crown above. And not their will, but his was done on them and in them. Our assurance when we go through 
these hard, uncomfortable, scary places, is that we don't go alone and that they produce Christ-likeness in us. And that is the faithfulness of our Lord. Like Karen was saying from John 16.33, Jesus promised that we would have many tribulations. But he also told us to be of good cheer because he has overcome the world. So we abide. Abide in him. Resting in his faithfulness to see us through those things. Let's see, Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, starting at verse 7. And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, this is Paul talking, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul gives us a very clear picture of Christ's power and faithfulness at work in and through Paul. Paul could not heal himself. Paul could not muster up the strength to deal with and work through this thorn in the flesh. He called out to God, as we should in our trials and storms. But notice, God did not take away the thorn. He did not take away the suffering. Instead, he showed himself mighty on Paul's behalf. What was Paul's response? Not as I will, but as you will. That's the faithfulness that we need. The power of God working in and through us, enabling us to accept the hardship, to die to our own will and live for God. Let's be real, ladies. There are days that a simple trip down the road to go get groceries will tempt us to behave at our absolute worst. So how are we to be faithful in the real trials, in the real sufferings, and in the temptations? The Lord does not desire for us to muster up our own faithfulness. He paid for it. He paid it all for us on Christ's on Calvary's cross. He paid our sin debt and now he is alive in our hearts so that we may boast in our infirmities and rely completely on his power. I have a favorite Bible character. His name is Joseph. He's one of my favorite examples of God's mighty power and faithfulness at work in someone's life. Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers, falsely accused of attempted rape, thrown into prison, and let to rot in oblivion somewhere in Egypt. But he was faithful to God. He worked hard. He resisted temptation, and he was respectful 
A part of Joseph's testimony is that he resisted the temptation of sleeping with his boss's wife. Joseph was young. He was handsome. I'm sure she was beautiful. And he had just gone through so much, so much betrayal. I'm sure it's quite tempting for him to think, no one's going to know. I deserve to have a little fun. My life kind of stinks right now. God's left me here anyway. But he resisted. Joseph valued what God values so much more than what his flesh and the world can offer. Not as I will, but as you will, Lord. So faithfulness calls us to be trustworthy in all areas of our lives. We're not able to do that, but praise God, we have Christ in us. So when we face choices on a daily basis, should I answer quickly and impatiently or answer with love and kindness? Complain about all the woes and hardships or make my requests known to God and trust him no matter what. Walk in fear and disappointment because of our trials or lean not on our own understanding, but in all our ways trust in the Lord. Allow anger to fester in my heart or forgive. Stand up for righteousness and the gospel of Christ Jesus or blend in with the world. A life of faithfulness is being obedient to God's call, trusting him to show up when I have nothing to offer, when all I have are those camels and a well and a bucket, and I don't know what to do with them. Our church body has been through a lot lately, and we've witnessed beautiful families suffer and experience much pain that, like Paul, we would pray, take it away, take it away. But we've also seen the glory of the Lord and his faithfulness rise up in these families and to pull them together to show himself strong on their behalf. My dear sister in Christ and partner in ministry has been walking that road of pain and suffering, debilitating illness, her personal dreams for her life laid aside at the altar of God. She yielded herself into his hands. Her life verse is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. But trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he shall direct your paths. She's face to face with the Lord. And that is exactly what he did in and through her life. She has entered the rest of our king. Hearing, well done, good and faithful servant. Not as I will but as you will. That is the anthem and the battle cry of the faithful servant of the Most High God. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 through 8 gives us an 
excellent picture of why faithfulness and who faithfulness and what faithfulness. Therefore, since you have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into his grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. Since therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. What are we faithful to? Who are we faithful to? Sometimes I can subconsciously forget that my faithfulness is born in Christ, that it is produced by Christ in me and is based first and only on his faithfulness. As covered in the blood of Christ, saved from sin and death, daughters of the Most High God, we are called by God himself to faithfulness to him alone. Our allegiance is to him. Then, out of the Spirit of God, living and breathing and moving in us, does our faithfulness become expressed into our hearts, our circumstances, our homes, families, workplaces, friendships, schools, and here in the body. Can you imagine what faithfulness and its fruit would look like if it was based solely on ourselves? Maybe we don't have to imagine. I can recall my life before Christ, and I know what it looks like when I step out of that place of abiding. Um, Galatians 5, 19 to 21, Paul gives us the opposite of the fruits of the Spirit. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things of the like. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That list describes my self-centered, self-absorbed faithfulness to my flesh. As a daughter of the king, our lives should not be wrapped up in these things. But we all know that the life of a believer is the continual process of sanctification. 
We are being changed constantly by the spirit of Christ living in us. And in this process, we fail a lot. But by God's mercy, we are failing forward and learning and growing and changing in the process. On the days or in the moments that I forget these truths, because I am dust and I'm living in this wretched body of sin, my faithfulness is very subjective. I can forget that I'm called to be faithful to God because of his faithfulness to me. And then I have no fruit. I'm suddenly wrapped up in myself. I can dip into enmity or jealousy or anger, depression, self-pity, self-centeredness. Let's thank the Lord that our faithfulness is not to ourselves or to another person, an institution, or a government, but to God alone. We are called to be faithful to the one who is called faithful and true, who will one day return on his white horse to finally put an end to the enemies of God. We are called to be faithful to the Savior of our souls, who at the right time died for the ungodly and provided eternal life for his former enemies. I have a very special friend. I have a lot of very special friends. But I have a particular special friend who who is someone the Lord has brought into my life to be iron sharpening iron. I see her faithfulness. Um, I see the faithfulness of the Lord expressed through her heart continually. She and I take turns encouraging each other in the midst of very trying circumstances. And we hold one another's arms up as the battle rages around us. So it's been her turn to encourage me lately. And it's been amazing. The Lord has been using her to remind me just who he is. So I want to share some of the verses and passages that she's been so faithful to send to me when I need them. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10 to 13. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Behold, all those who are incensed against you shall be ashamed and disgraced. They shall be as nothing. And those who strive with you shall perish. You shall seek them and not find them. Those who contended with you. Those who war against you shall be as nothing. As a non-existent thing. For I, the Lord your God, will hold your right hand, saying to you, Fear not, I will help you. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 1 to 3. But now, thus says the Lord who created you, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, 
nor shall the flame scorch you, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Isaiah chapter, we like Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28 to 31. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. That is who we are faithful to. Our God who is never tired. He is never late. Our God whose understanding is so great we cannot even begin to fathom the extent of his knowledge because his knowledge is endless. We are faithful to the one who spoke the heavens and the earth into existence and who formed us out of the dust of the earth and breathed life into our lungs. This God has promised to draw near to those who draw near to him. He has promised to never leave nor forsake us. He will be with us as we pass through the fire, and he will shield our souls so that we may not be burned. So ladies, just a little plug here. We cannot have a picture or a clear picture of who God is if we are not in his word. We're not equipped to the bat for the battle if we don't have the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. How can we truly know the faithfulness of the Lord unless we get to know him through the book that's written all about him? The scriptures are living and breathing and active in our lives. As I walk through the circumstances of my life, the Lord speaks to me in his word, and he'll speak to you too, morning by morning. I cry out to him in prayer, and he answers my heart through his letter of love in the scriptures. If we are not daily in his word, we will not be able to discern how to walk in faithfulness to the Lord. Lately, there's been just a lot going on in our church family, in my personal family, and this continual reading of his word, the Lord just keeps me bringing me back to Psalm 27, 13, and 14. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. So what about the fruit of faithfulness? What can we expect in our lives as fruit from walking faithfully 
faithfully with the Lord? And what should we not expect? We should not expect that all of our circumstances and all the details of our lives will be neat and tidy and easy. Jesus promised the exact opposite. He told the disciples and us that in this life, like we've talked about, there's trials and tribulations. But like we also talked about, as we abide in Christ and he abides in us, he promised his presence in the midst of our trials. And he promised that he will be with us to the end. And that because, his work, because of his work of salvation on our behalf, we will be joined with Christ our Savior in heaven. Where all suffering, fear, sorrow, sin, and death are done away with. What was the fruit of Christ's faithfulness to God the Father? It's kind of twofold. He was scorned, mocked, refuted by the religious leaders. He was arrested in the dead of night, tried in in an illegal court with liars as witnesses. He was beaten, spat upon, and rejected. He was led through the streets of Jerusalem like a common criminal and nailed to a cross to suffer for hours before a crowd of people who, for the most part, despised him. But that was the external fruit. It sounds like a story of defeat, but we know that's not the case. The fruit of Christ's faithfulness to God is eternal salvation for all who would believe. It is the remission of sins for wretched sinners who have no hope before God. On that cross, our sin debt was paid for, and the penalty of eternal death and separation from God was vanquished. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 11 let this mind be in you, which also, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. But he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that Every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Praise you, Lord. Christ being our example in all things gives us a clear picture that there will be many times in our lives that faithfulness to the Lord means hardship here and now. It means that our external circumstances can be difficult, but the eternal reward far exceeds the hardships we endure here. 
They are light and momentary afflictions compared to the glory of God that awaits us. My friend that I mentioned earlier, and we share Bible verses with each other and encourage each other, shared with me something she heard on the radio that I really liked. It's from a Bible teacher. He said, and I kind of, maybe I changed it a little because I can't remember it all. Um, He said, I don't like it when Christians say, well, under the circumstances. As believers, we should never be under the circumstances. With Christ in us, we should be over our circumstances because of the victory won on our behalf by our Savior. When we look back at Christ in the garden, sweating drops of blood and crying out to God the Father... He was not under the circumstances that he faced. He was over them. He faithfully chose not his own will, but the will of God. When we abide in Christ and he abides in us, we can anticipate that temptation, trial, or suffering that whatever temptation, trial, or suffering we face, we can be over those circumstances. Because of Christ, we are more than conquerors. The external fruit of faithfulness for my personal life has been difficult. The moment Christ saved me from sin and death was the moment I got a target put on my back by the enemy of our souls. And the same goes for all of you, and I know you know it. For almost seven years, I've walked in an ongoing trial that has taken twists and turns. And from the outside, it looks like utter failure and defeat. It looks like the enemy has won. But it's not the case. The Lord has been drawing my heart closer and closer to him each day, each moment. My God has been faithful to use this thing to expose my own sin so that he can faithfully heal it and change my heart. He has been teaching me how to love when it's hard and I don't want to. He has been taking me through his refiner's fire so that when Christ calls me home, I will be as pure gold. What this faithfulness, what has this faithfulness produced for me internally? What has it produced for God's kingdom? What does it produce for you? We rejoice in our sufferings. Knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Still in Romans uh, 8.18, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. And then further in the same chapter at verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? 
Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. (laughs) We can expect that as we abide in Christ, he will abide in us. We can expect that as we faithfully serve God in whatever capacity he has called, that he will equip and enable us to the task. We can expect that he will produce the fruits of himself in us, that he, he will give us from his vast storehouse all the love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control we need. We can expect our Savior to walk with us through all these things. So remember Abraham's servant and the camels? I encourage you and I encourage myself to just bring those things. We sang before, we came here with nothing but all you have given me. So we bring our families, we bring whatever the Lord has entrusted us with, and we lay it on the altar of his faithfulness so that he can work in and through us. Faithfulness is being obedient to God's call, trusting him to show up When I have nothing to offer. What is faithfulness? It's Jesus. Who are we to be faithful to? Jesus. How can I be faithful? Jesus. And what is the fruit of faithfulness in our lives? It's Jesus. Thank you.